Hey, buddy. I pulled it off. Of course, I can't hear you. I'm muted. Now you can hear me. There you go. Yeah, man. So, so yeah, thanks for not leaving me too long because my voice is a little tossed today. So You sound like shit. Well, you know, I don't feel bad. It's just I've been, you know, I run in the morning still. It's just something got me a little bit, some bug. But, um, you know, it, it's not like it's in my throat and head a little bit. So it's nothing too bad. I mean, I'm functioning. All right. So, um, and I don't know if it's my connection or yours, but you're breaking up. Am I breaking up on you? No, you're not. It's probably because I went live from the phone. Okay. Hold on. Let me let me kill the VPN real quick. There you go. See what All this right. does. And let me find my other browser window. I got too much fucking going on today, Joe. Too much. That's it. All right. Okay. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, first things first, I've got a uh, a new episode up interview um, with um, a really cool uh, platform um, that, well, the project is called uh, Paragon's DAO, but it, mm -hmm. let me share a screen here. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Share screen, window screen. There you go. So Paragon's DAO um, started off as a, um, they were trying to be a guild uh, for the parallel, the game Parallels, which is like a Magic the Gathering card type game, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it's been pretty, Parallels has been pretty popular. I mean, it's um, in terms of investor activity, it has been very popular. The guys at Yunt are big investors in Parallels. Right. Oh, okay. So, so these guys, uh, Paragon's DAO, started off, they were just going to form a guild. And for those of you that don't know what a guild is, um, a guild is a way, uh, has traditionally in the DeFi space, um, in the GameFi space, been a way to sponsor players, right? So you go in with big money, you buy up the best game pieces, tokens, characters, whatever, armor, weaponry, whatever. And then you... Uh, share in the revenue from a player by giving them that piece to play with, right? So you take 10% or 20% of whatever they generate playing the game. Well, Paragon's DAO did a big binding event where they created the DAO um, and they started off with it purely decentralized. They have a delegated council for voting. Um, and this guy, DeFi Ted, that, that I interviewed um, is on the council and is also the project lead. He runs all, you know, manages all the product development and everything. So they started off as just this um, uh, DAO that was going to buy up all these NFTs from for the Parallels offering the game and then allow people to use it and take a cut of the earnings. Well, they started realizing that you know deciding who that what they wanted to do was create it so that people didn't have to pay for the privilege of using the nft right some fee to secure it or whatever and they wanted a system an automated system um trustless system that would allow people to apply um to play using their nfts and be able to base it on their track record in the game and everything else so anyway they built this platform around this they're building it they're launching it in the uh, next three to six months i think he said they built this entire platform 
And as they were developing it and planning it, they realized that it was a platform that could be used for any gaming guild and any gaming platform. And so they, rather than just build it integrated to parallels, they are actually extracting out the, the functionality of it and building it as this really powerful gaming guild kind of system that can be used with any GameFi game. So it's really powerful. I'm really impressed with... Um, Ted and the team there, they've done a great job building this. They've built it decentralized. Um, just really powerful, really impressive. I encourage everybody to read the listen to the interview. He had a lot of thoughts and tips about what it was like building the DAO and how they were able to kind of wrestle with hiring developers and making sure they were decentralized and thinking about how they want the they really want the cliche of win-win to really function well for the people that are playing it. They don't want to be an adversarial relationship, which is typically what it is, you know, in the guild world. So really impressive shit. I, uh, I encourage everybody to go take a listen to this one um, because it's, um, it, I, I think Paragons has the potential to be a really powerful player in the game vice space and they're not stopping at the guild functionality. He talks a little bit about it in the interview, but um, they're, they're going far beyond that. Uh, so anyway, um, powerful, powerful thing. Great interview. Ted's a really good guy. Really impressed with what they're doing. Hmm. Sounds so, interesting. I'll have to make sure to listen to that one. Definitely. Definitely. Eamon said, good morning, friends. Good morning, Eamon. How you been, buddy? Yeah, what have you been doing, man? Where you been? Where you been? Uh, <laughs> Niblet says, my past few weeks of experimenting in GameFi is that ultimately it is epically underwhelming. Yeah, look, I think a lot of the games out there are. Um, I actually think the the card style games have the best chance at early um, success over kind of the ones that are trying to create full-blown uh, interactive gaming setups because at the end of the day, if you're going to create that kind of a game, you need to spend you know twenty to thirty million dollars uh, on hardcore, high end developers to make it work. Niblet says, "Good morning, sir." Uh, Amos in Idaho with friends. Holy shit, dude! I hope you're bundled up for this winter storm about to come tearing through. Uh, getting the ski yeah, I heard on. about that. Yeah, yeah. That's like coast to coast or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Evidently, it's going to be pretty pretty ugly. Uh, Chuck says Niblets needs a demo. I, uh, I guess he needs a demo of the gaming system. I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, Parallels, uh, great uh, platform. I'm, uh, I, I think there's some real promise there. Um, and look, I am not a guy to comment on uh, game gaming or GameFi because I am not a gamer. But uh, Nibble says the problem stems from a failure of game theoretics. Ah, well, um, again, I think that most of the games coming out in GameFi are trying to match uh, DeFi and NFTs to gaming uh, rather than focusing on the game first. Um, so hopefully that'll change over time. Um, and the, the tokens and NFTs will become um, part of the games that are great games as opposed to trying to create games that use that. So he said, I just dropped a thousand dollars on demos. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds like Niblets is more frustrated in his ability than in the games themselves. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, she said, I got my nephew who's 14 playing on Vulcan Forge on Matic and he's earning like eight to $14 a day. I have him sending the, me the PYR token and I buy them off him. <laughs> That's great, dude. There you go. Extending the labor force. Well played. That's awesome. Child, 
Child slave labor. No, I'm sure. I mean, that's cool. I've been trying to get my son to try some of these games because I think he can make some bank. He's a pretty good gamer, but, um, you know. But you're right. Most of the kids that are like grew up gaming, they're like already playing in the super high-end graphics-focused, you know, games or first-person shooter games. And when they jump over to these games, they're kind of like, wait, what? It's not what? You know, it doesn't make sense to them. But people like us or people that come from, say, NFT DeFi side, then we're like looking at it in ways that, how do we use these to, you know, finance or generate returns and make it fun? Yeah, um, exactly. So I think it's two different things. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, to attract gamers, they're going to have to spend the money on big games. Right? Yeah. So, uh, well, on high-end think, games. Brad, do you think it's going to be? You know, we spend a lot of time with, um, uh, you know, Motivale digital digital acts about the, you know, the NFTs, the skins and stuff for games for esports, and you know we pocket full of quarters as well, doing the big esports play. I mean, do you think that that's a better entry point in than say coming from, um, you know, yeah. DeFi, NFT, you know, going that direction first and then adding it? Because I think the real world, digital world parallels of goods and products is pretty compelling to me. What do yeah, you think? I, I, I agree. And I think like, I think kind of augmenting great games is a better strategy than trying to build a game around it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Unless... Again, unless you've got 30 or $40 million and you can hire, you know, the best. And even then, I mean, you got to think about this. Every major gaming studio that spends tens of millions of dollars on games has a loser, right? So yeah. you, you can't count on, um, you can't count on being able to have those games win. Hold on. I got to close. Yeah, go for it. Can you hear me still though? I sure can. Yeah. So, so, you know, cause one of the things I think about is, you know, we look at like call of duty and stuff like that. I mean, kids come in and buy game packs and do all of that um, and spend money. Um, Roblox, another one. Um, it seems to me that where you already have, what, hundreds of millions of users, I guess, playing something, if you brought in other aspects of it, like where, you know, the you kill the other person, I mean, not to get graphic, but you win, you get to take all their stuff, you know, and then you could exit it into money and things like that. That to me would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is a lot of these games that we see in game price space. They kind of remind me of the, the old video games back in the eighties at arcades, you know, the asteroids and Ms. Pac-Man and all that. It's got the cool look and feel like that. But I think for the younger people, it doesn't really resonate instantly. Yeah. Mr. Mucciolli said modern slavery to, to Shizzy. Well, look, yeah. you know, I told my son, I'm like, dude, if you can get in early on a game and you can stack up some stuff, you yeah. can you can then be your own guild, right? Like if you're early and you can stack up powerful pieces, NFTs, whatever they offer in that game, then you can be in a position to guild out and let everybody else play. And then you just fuck around and play for fun. But uh, anyway... What? Wasn't that what a lot of the people on Cometh were doing with the uh, spaceship fleet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they'd rent them out. They'd lease they'd, them out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And take a share of the mining rewards or something. Yep. If I they, right. they built gilding right into it. Niblet says, yeah. raw DeFi is way more fun and lucrative. DeFi is the game. Oh, I often say it's a video game, man. It, it feels like it. Uh, and staring at charts all day is, uh, is uh, also an addicting video game. Uh, Sean said, I think Nibbler's analysis is that over time you can just lose words in Niblet's mouth here. In the old days, we would send our kids down a coal mine. Seems more real. <laughs> well, you kind of get that win-lose paradigm pretty much wired in tight with the coal sit, mine. Sit him down with a little white bag on a stick with a 
beef jerky and a Guinness. Uh, <laughs> That's the 12-year-olds, right? The 12-year-olds? <laughs> <laughs> euphoric said all your base are belong to us look i i think like everything else everything's going to be an experiment you know um and and uh i i'm excited to see where it goes um you know but the guys at walking are going the full-blown casual gaming route so they're not only doing the physical fitness stuff but they're also becoming a studio and releasing casual games that are tied to nfts so that's the kind of target audience that you know like me my wife whomever people playing on their phone just fucking around that's a whole nother segment of of the market um that can be tackled and it might be easier to tackle casual gaming because there's what, you know there's models that work what is the game that say walking would put their casual uh, game let me tell you i can't remember the name of the new game hold on i'll tell you do you remember the functionality just like what it does I'm yeah, it's like curious. a running running no. through maze so it's a physical fitness kind of thing too no this one though it's actually a game that is interact it interlinked with um the walk-in game the physical fitness yeah. game but it is not um an it doesn't track anything uh that no. you do hold on let me try to find that new game name i can't remember the fucking because it'd be cool if they let like you know, somehow you got bonuses from playing the game that then you could use in real world exercise. Yeah. To maybe get merchandise or something or gear or devices, you know, to track fitness. Anything that would kind of lead to more sales on the platform. Yeah. Well, and, and, it, and it does target, I mean, it does tie into the whole token and everything else. And there's rewards around mm -hmm. it, the whole bit. So oh, cool. Yeah. I just would like to find, it's called Walk and Runner, uh, I think is the name of the game. But I was trying to find some, there was some, there's some video up of it. I haven't tried it yet, but there was some video up of it previously that I can't find. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, um, but that's another segment, market segment to go after is, you know, go after the casual gaming shit and, you know. So, uh, and that's probably, like I said, I think that's a probably an easier win um, than, um than the big giant arcade not arcade um first person shooters etc cetera, etc cetera, uh in that world well, well i can't yeah i just video. yeah and plus you'd have to like i mean i think if you could have nfts around gear in those first person games then it could make sense and there was like looting and stuff like that that you could then monetize yeah. um yeah. but it's a tough one i mean to integrate that into it. Why? I mean, it's, they're already multi-billion dollar franchises and yeah. all of a sudden you enter in another element that maybe gives you regulatory exposure too. Um, you kind of me thinking, what's the point? So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me see if I can do a proper search. Oh, here, this is, this is a quick demo they did of it when it first hit. Uh, can you guys see that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like simple running, collecting rewards, you know, that kind of shit. Fighting, whatever. Mm. So, no, that looks cool. Yeah. Look, and they, you know, they're, they have top-notch designers, developers, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, sh la, 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 la. Uh, Shizzy says, he's happy. He don't get an allowance and I'm giving him like 50 bucks a week. I'm not paying full price, but he can also keep them if he wants, but he don't. Shizzy, why aren't you tip helping him... Uh, uh, stake those or something, dude. Uh, get those into a yield farm. Make him some more tokens. Uh, Niblet says, Sean, yes, they are ultimately zero-sum rock, paper, scissors with a slow drain to the project. Mathematically, there is no way to come out ahead. Ranted with shiz last Friday on this. Yep, watch the show. Good stuff. 
dude. Uh, Shizzy says, I love DeFi allowance. Yeah, that's a great idea, DeFi allowance. Ha ha, right? Win-win. That's cool. That's very cool. There could um, be another show. Yeah, let's see <laughs> what else. Um, I had a bunch of links, and I haven't loaded them up yet. So let me get Yeah, there was some over there. there. What's going on with prices right now, Joe? I heard we were having a little bleed today, but I don't know. I, I haven't looked in 20 minutes or so, but I thought BTC was at like 24.3 and maybe ETH was about 16.50 or so, 65. All right. All right. Um, but, you know, I just, you know, I feel like this uh, China thesis for money coming into the market, it's looking more and more real to me. Um, that, every, the, that the I'm stimulus is, is where the money's coming in to, to well, prop up price? Not just that, but the fact with um, more from a geopolitical sense, I think that um, that, you know, with Hong Kong, you know, moving into supposedly yesterday, the CCP mainland CCP said they're on board with Hong Kong becoming a crypto center, just like Hong Kong was always a financial center in the past where, you know, people would be able to access the mainland, you know, it was a trading hub. And so. I think they're basically, you know, after banning it, what, three years ago? Or, I mean, they banned it like seven or eight times, but I think the last one was three years ago. Now, I think from a geopolitical competition um, standpoint, they're kind of thinking it makes sense. So I think you see, you know, and we know how many people are there and we know how much. Remember, we'd always talk about, oh, here comes Asia at like 7 p.m. Yeah. East, US, East yeah. Coast time. And, yeah. and they'd come in and either pump it or dump it at that point. Yep. And I kind of think that that was, you know, a lot of Chinese retail. So, um, you know, I think that that is a narrative that I, I have just not been thinking about until the last couple of days. Well, that, you know, that, that could be the thing, you yeah. know, that sort of, you know, and maybe Binance goes in and sets up in Hong Kong and, you know, gets into an open regulatory framework. We don't have to worry about anything as much. Um, and it keeps that piece going. Um, I just see something positive happening there, you know, for the crypto world. Yeah. Um, but it's just a little too early still to know for sure. Well, in other um, news, uh, Noah Smith retweeted this tweet from Edward Wong that says, um, uh, the alarm warnings by Blinken and other Biden aides that China is strongly considering giving arms to Russia for use in Ukraine portend a big expansion of the war. It would become a war involving the third world's three superpowers and could lead to a global rift. Um, I guess that's in the New York Times today. Yeah. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean. And I think that's yeah, part of why Biden showed up in Kiev yesterday, right? It's like, uh, hey, folks. <laughs> This is, I, I'm here. Yeah, I think that, well, part of that, but it's also to demonstrate commitment to Ukraine um, in that, you know, we're in it till it's over. Yeah. Um, but I think what I heard after the China stuff um, was that they basically then put warnings out afterwards. And, you know, basically, because it exposes all the major Chinese banks and all the major Chinese conglomerates. I mean, really, like, you know, just like they did with the Russian foreign currency reserve, seizing all their dollar deposits. And they put the word out on that yesterday. Um, and then came out Blinken or Sullivan came out saying, like, so far, we don't see any major, you know, groups dependent upon the outside economy doing anything on that front yet. So I think it was more of a right. shot across the bow. Um, but, you know, they'd be committing, you know, economic suicide to do that because, you know, a lot of people are just looking for an excuse at this point. So, I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I think I don't so think too. they're going to do anything. Yeah, I don't I think they're going to arm them. I hope not. Let's let's. let's well, you know, that. it's it's just a matter of um, 
you know, they got with the Chinese, you can't back them into a corner. I mean, you can, but they're super uncomfortable at that point. They start flailing around saying <laughs> stupid shit that just is like, are they, are these translating this right? You know, it's like, it's just sounds weak. They don't understand how weak that sounds to the rest of the world. Um, so, you know, you got to always give them an out and you can't, I'm not saying you shouldn't pressure them. I'm just saying if you want to get results, you know, you just push on the edges. You don't go front at them. Even if you can beat them, you don't do it because the goal is not to get in conflict. The goal is to, you know, have, uh, you know, mutually beneficial relationships with these yep. groups. Yep. And, and they haven't invaded anybody yet. So. Hey, yesterday you and I were talking off the air um, about the uh, Gary's yeah. um, Gary's move to uh, require custody for investment advisors, funds, etc. Expanding the definition of it used to be securities and equities, and now it's expanded to all customer assets. Um, rules that were put in place to stop Bernie Madoff type schemes happening again. Um, the interesting thing that about this is I actually went through and skimmed through the actual proposed changes. And I will tell you, there, there's a lot of extensive language around all kinds of custody. But essentially, what this is, is it's a it's a rule that if passed, and it would be um, 60 days, and then another 60 days after passing, and then 18 months to two, one year to 18 months to two years for implementation, depending on your role as an advisor in the space. But the idea is, is that it would require uh, more extensive custody rules for holding customer assets in a fund as an advisor, whatever. And while I think there's plenty in this that also dealt with traditional investments, this is actually to me a, a, a direct attack on crypto. And the reason it's a direct attack on crypto is it makes it impossible for anyone advising or um, uh, holding or investing on behalf of someone else in a fund or whatever the situation, impossible for them to do it on chain. It totally, completely destroys any opportunity for institutional finance or any kind of institution to trade on behalf of their customers using on-chain applications. It's it's impossible under the way they've written this ruling up, the, this proposal up. I hope that during the comment period, which started today, I guess, uh, or no, started on the 16th, uh, I hope that um, people in the space who, who want to be in DeFi, who are institutional, who are funds, will do comments because this to me, the entire reason for this is let's shut down their ability to get around us by going to DeFi, keep them controlled into centrally controlled exchanges. And this will also put dramatic impacts on all the existing centralized exchanges that exist, because now they will have to either start their own custodial service, or they will have to then contract with custodial services. So um, yeah, this, this is, is this, modeled. Yeah, this is modeled after what happens in TradeFi. There's actually I can't remember the name of it. I was reading a bunch of this or talking to people about this last week. And um, there's a group that's like the main custody holder for like all of the mutual funds and everything. And it's the, you know, it holds like $67 trillion of stuff. It's like a clearinghouse of sorts. And it's a, you know, it's licensed, registered, all of that. And so what they're, then you go down the layer from there, you got the next groups that are all custody broker dealer types, you know, licensed with the SEC or with whomever. Um, and so then you get to the point where 
you know, they're looking to roll that over on crypto now um, in the sense that anyone who is two, two areas, one, anyone who's uh, holding custody of assets and then anyone who, um, you know, and this means you have to have accredited investors. This means all of the rules like that, that there's no, you know, you have to do solid KYC AML money has to come from other accounts that are, you know, registered in the system. Um, and then the other thing you're looking at is disclosure rules. I mean, you saw the thing with uh, the Celtic basketball player, Paul Pierce, I think his name is, Yeah. you know, where he, he just settled on, you know, a $1.8 million settlement because he was promoting crypto without disclosing that he was given tokens like Kardashian did. And it was another Ethermax thing, I think. So, yeah. you know, again, you, you have to disclose stuff in this new world um, much more tight than you had to in the past. And this is going to go after people like us too. You know, like if you're talking about tokens on shows and things and you own them or you don't disclose it um, in ways that, you know, you get risk on that too. So it's really trying to clean up the whole space. I'm not saying it's fun or right or wrong. Uh, I'm just I don't saying think it's that ex- it's going to compartment it. I think mm. it's, I, look, I, on the, on the um, celebrities, that's fine. I don't give a shit. But, but what I think this is is a direct attack to prevent institutional money from circumventing the controls the SEC is trying to put in place by forcing custody and eliminating actually decentralized finance from any of the tools they have in their capabilities to provide them to their clients. They will no longer be able to do it if this passes. And and I, I think, think and I think this is ahead. an exact look, it's what Gary wants when he gets out. He wants it to be just like TradFi. He wants the middlemen. He wants the custodians. He wants all the bullshit and infrastructure and he wants to kill decentralization. And that's exactly what this this does. This prevents anyone on the institutional side from doing anything decentralized at all. Uh, I, I don't agree with that part. I think it's more focused on retail. I ju- I, I read think. the thing yesterday. I read no, the whole. I, mean, I, I read the whole proposed thing from the SEC. It's a hundred and eighty something pages. It is. Well, exactly it doesn't just that. come from the SEC, Brad. It comes from three other departments and two other agencies. Okay, so it's not just SEC. But the point is, the institutional will do what institutional does. Okay, hedge funds, all that they will do what they do. It's the guys that are pitching their retail and taking retail money. That's the thing they're really going after. Well, because that's what happened with all these other th- recent debacles. I'm telling you, that's not what the proposal is from the SEC. The proposal from the SEC and the and the ones and those who are managing over a billion have to do it in a year, whereas those who are less than a billion have to do it in 18 months to two years implement this. But it requires anybody, anybody who is an investment advisor qualified under the definitions of the law or who is pr- running a hedge fund or any kind of investment, anybody to put anything you hold for a customer in terms of assets into a third-party custody representative with contracts, with full notifications, surprise audits, everything, and will not allow, will not allow for anything to happen on chain. And they expressly talk about it in the question and answer section of the document. They are trying to block any get around with decentralized services. So, so who do you think is going to come in in the comment period and argue? Institutional guys. So you think that's going to last? I hope so. It's not. The real focus so. is retail right. people. People facing retail right. is the real focus. Um, institutional would do what they do. You know, hedge funds and stuff that hold assets, they don't custody those with anybody else. I mean, that's how that market works. Mutual funds do. Groups like that. Hedge funds don't. 
Okay, so they'll get some kind of exemption or it'll be their offshore operations. It'll be the London branch. It'll be the Cayman branch. I mean, if I don't know how people, if people know how hedge funds are structured, but there's usually two funds. There's a sidecar fund that's usually in the Caymans or BVI for the international people. And then there's a domestic one. So they're just going to fracture those apart like that. And the institutionals will get what they want. They're really going to all the stuff they've been going after is everybody who's pumping shit to retail. So to me, I'm not too worried about institutional guys getting cut off because they could just go overseas and do it. To me, it's like, you know, it's going to really make it tight for individuals to go in and do stuff, you know, the little people. And, you know, you can argue if they've been getting ripped off by advisors or not. But the point is, we sort of have they, two schools of thought there. Should they be able to do what they want or should they be nanny stated? I don't know the answer. Well, they actually have an entire section on there in there um, with foreign management of assets. But um, look, and that may be the, the the final outcome of this whole thing. But the writing of this thing is is to is to block anyone from doing anything on chain uh that is well, yeah but what do you US want funds. what do you expect them to put out when you do a negotiation you don't go out and give the position course, you want you come course. in high so i think right, it's but, a little bit alarmist for the institutional guys institutional guys to protect themselves there's a shit ton of detail in here for 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 this so anyway we'll see what happens um but i think that's the attempt here uh, let's catch up on comments because we got a lot uh, she said, I tried, but he'd rather have the money talking about his nephew. Biden's visit was a bitch slap to Putin. This is Chuck. They told the Russians ahead of time not to fuck around and find out. And they now have to explain to their people why they couldn't stop the meeting. Uh, China stands to gain a ton from Russian failure. All those Siberian resources closer to Beijing than Moscow. Um, yep. hi, I'm Troy McGensler. You may remember me from such films as all your securities are belong to us. And the best rules are the kind I just make up. <laughs> the distinction between distributed letter technology custody and a mutual fund or hedge fund is thin uh mr muccioli said the financial times an article about this the sec's crap crypto crackdown is the name of the article um shizzy says the advisors can just help people set up hardware wallets for the person this could be be a good thing if done right they can give advice they just have to say this is not financial advice at the end yeah this specifically addresses managing investments on behalf of investors whether it's uh retail or 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 institutional whatever um that's what this thing addresses um they could certainly help them set up hardware wallets but at the end of the day you know the way you make money in that world is is by either investing on behalf of or advising on the investments uh sean says he could not kill decentralization if this stuff was actually decentralized yeah uh chuck says what sean said niblet says um it's a test of actual decentralization i gotta agree with you there niblets and mr Mucciole said and the chopping block all discuss also discusses this topic yeah they've lost credibility with me the chopping block uh sean says this can't affect anything permissionless by definition um well look i mean i i get your point um about this sean but at at the end of the day a lot a lot a lot of money in this world is managed by third parties uh, in one way or another. Um, and if, and those folks not being able to do something <laughs> on chain uh, would be very limiting to the amount of money that could actually be invested. So uh, Shizzy says, Oh, I didn't, I don't think they like being called little people anymore, Joe. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't talking to the height challenged crowd out there. <laughs> I was talking to them about the little investors retail. That we try to, we want to see succeed here. The little um, people. That's fucking hilarious. No, I think you are supposed to call, wait. 
what are you what are you supposed to call them you're not supposed to use the m word I i'm gonna see my side you are supposed to call them the little people no i think i thought little people was what you called them i i don't know if anybody knows the correct uh well i know the word you're not supposed to use yeah the, the m word you're not supposed to use yeah the m word. yeah yeah so what about the d word uh, I don't think you're supposed to use that either. <laughs> Mr. Muccioli types it up. I'm not putting it on yeah. screen, Muccioli. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shit. What else but yeah, it's going to be a mess. You know, it's yeah. going to be a mess either way. Uh, I wish Congress would just oh. get off their ass and do something. I was a little shocked. Polygon Labs is cutting off 100 people, 20%. Uh, firm said the job cuts are part of its consolidation earlier this year, which, you know, is a way of saying, oh, no, we meant to do this. But, you know, look, at the end of the day, they're nervous just like everybody else, and they're cutting back on expenditures, and this is part of it. Yeah, I mean, when you grow, you get inefficient and fat, and sometimes you just got to go in and cut off the redundancies and reconsolidate and grow from there. Yeah. I mean, you hire a bunch of people, and then some don't work out, unfortunately. Yeah. Treasury remains healthy, balance of 250 million, more than 1.9 billion Matic, and we have crystallized our strategy for the next several years to help drive mass adoption. I bet he doesn't tell you he has a 30-year runway, though, but they have a bigger staff, that's for sure. Uh, hey, some yeah. dude forked the ordinals code on Bitcoin uh, to Litecoin, which actually seems like a better implementation of it. And I didn't know this, but he, called, he um, posted the... I didn't know that uh, this had been finished, the Mimblewimble uh, integration on Litecoin. So there is now like a side, I don't know, side chain is the proper way to refer to it. But there's like a whole privacy layer now built onto Litecoin that I wasn't aware of. And I'm wondering, mm. you know, we've been seeing that pump lately. I I'm wondering if, if that's part of it, right? Is that this has, because the token itself isn't privacy enabled, but the chain is now has the ability to be privacy enabled. Not sure how that works, but I'd like to check it out more. Um, yeah. And I think this is more relevant because Huobi, let me find this Huobi article. Uh, Huobi announced that they're delisting Monero and other yeah. privacy coins, um, citing regulatory concerns. Um, so really interesting if, if the chain itself um, has an integrated layer of privacy, um, you know, what, what kind of happens with that. Uh, but um, really interesting to see and interesting to see that this ordinals uh, capability is now built onto Litecoin. I don't have no idea how that affects block size or storage or anything else on Litecoin. I, I don't know enough about it, but uh, just found it interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, God, I've been wrecking a killing on Litecoin back in like 2017, 18 timeframe. I think it was like $7 and then it ran up to what, like 370 or something. Yeah. Um, but I really don't ever use it for anything. Um, I haven't in a long weapons. time. I transferred yeah. funds back in the day. In 2017, I would tr use it to transfer funds occasionally. Uh, but I haven't in a very long time. Sean said, idiots, question mark, whale food, question mark, grist to the mill. Maybe they should go back to the 1800s. Maybe he, I don't know. Was he responding to me? I don't know. Sorry, Sean. I yeah, I don't know. Uh, Eamon said running out of runway burned $150 million last year. Holy shit. Well, look Still at the next not one. Bad. Heard it was an 18 month runway for Polygon. That's, that's not great. Yeah. Um, I've always had a soft spot for LTC. Niblet says it is such a sleeper coin and it seems to be on every exchange. That's true. It does have, uh, does have liquidity out there. It does have a, a presence. Sean says it's an obscene amount of money to spend for something as simple as Polygon. <laughs> 
The Eamon says the MWeb upgrade was dope. Excuse Bless me. you. Thank you. Oh boy. It sounds like you're getting something. Cats. Cats. Ah. Um, the MWeb them. upgrade was dope. Exchanges stopped accepting any transaction that went through those wallets, though. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, so it still is limiting, but only for centralized exchanges. Eamon said, Sean, they have a lot going on. All these side projects and stuff like Hermes. Yeah. Look, I mean, $150 million for the amount of integration and work they have going on, I, I don't think it's a ton of money, but I do think they need a longer runway than fucking 18 months. So Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, hopefully they extended that. But what are they working on? That's, oh, they've been doing all the acquisitions and everything the last year. So yeah. that must be where everything's been going. This I thought was huge. This was yeah. One but here's the I, thing: I I wasn't I was thinking about not showing it because we don't have a fucking source it. for this, right? But it, anyway, uh, AP Abacus says update more chatter that at Grayscale could be poised to win its appeal slash case against the SEC on March seventh, turning GPTC GBTC into a proper spot Bitcoin ETF. He says, legal minds believe their brief is powerful and the court may be prone to pushing back on regulatory outreach. Those same legal minds believe that if Grayscale were to lose, they could consider taking the case to the Supreme Court and have an even better chance of winning. I think yeah. at this court, that's definitely true. Um, you know, so anyway, uh, somebody asked him for sources and he said, DM you. Yeah, I was going to say- Look at the comments should, below that. Look at below the DM message. See, there's- DM sources, right? Hit no, open that one. Yeah, open that one. See what those comments are down here. He says no, post he won't reply, he won't post them. <clears throat> okay, that's weird. Anyway, yeah, I, that's what makes well, me a little so. nervous about it. But, well, you know, every, it's everybody's speculating both ways. Um, I just think that it's something that makes sense in that, um, it gets everything, you know, as Sean's even said, hyper bullish event for BTC yeah. and everything else, but it's going to take all those ones that were like bankrupt six months ago, basically FTX, all of them at Genesis, Gemini, it's going to push them all solvent again. Yeah. So if I'm the regulators, I'm like, okay, it's one, it's one spot ETF fund, right? Who cares? Let's exactly. just approve it. And let's not have to go clean up all these other companies for the next five years. And then we can focus on other stuff. So, I think yeah, the but, politics would be pretty good, but who knows? Look, at the end of the day, it's all about hides for Gary, right? He wants those marks on the fuselage showing he's taken down the corrupt people. That's his That's his goal. So that's probably part of the resistance, but who knows? Yeah, who but knows? he's not the only one who approves it. That's the thing. That's and true. He has to get approved by a panel. So it's true. I think that he, I don't think that there's a lot of love lost amongst the other commissioners and himself. Um, because you just watch the chatter. I mean, there's a lot of people irritated with him at the level like you're irritated with him, you know, the publicity seeking and all of that and, you know, feathering his nest allegations. Um, so, you know, maybe that would get approved on a full commissioner. That'd vote. be awesome. That'd be, but, is there a way can proposals get to the full commission from other commissioners and get a vote? Um, I think so. I mean, he I doesn't don't know have, how that works. He's not the czar who then says, I know that, I don't know if they use ALJ, administrative law judges, or if it goes into like the other ones, but um, I think the commissioners can basically like in any board, I think it takes some number to like to bring it to a vote. Okay. Yeah. That's get it on agenda or something, but you know, who knows? I think a lot of people are 
you know, internal and external are sort of frustrated with him. Um, I mean, how many employees does the SEC have? Like, does it have like 67,000 or something? I have no idea. It's a pretty giant number. Um, And I think that who's going to have to do all the cleanup work? You know, it's everybody else. So (laughs) hopefully, you know, some common sense will prevail. Because to me, I think this starts really drifting down a path of what we alluded to at the beginning, or I did on the China stuff. So China's going to now try to stick it to us by capturing all the crypto that we're driving out of the country. Doesn't that then become a national security issue for the U.S.? Um, I think it does. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to, like, you know, push Makes back sense. on Mr. Gensler. Hope so. Um, 4,807 is the four staff. Employees? Yeah. Wow, I thought it was more than that. Which, okay. which goes back to my argument of, you know, everybody sue them. They'll never be able to keep up. Um, all right. Let's see what else. Uh, I haven't even read that yet. Uh, oh, this is fascinating. There's a new protocol. I I don't know how the fuck they're doing this because it just sounds insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking insane. So this new platform called Apollo X launches crypto lending platform, offers up to 25 ETH loans without collateral to Ethereum addresses with over one year of solvency history. So essentially you have to have one year of history of having held 25% of what you're borrowing for that whole year, at least that much, and then they'll let you borrow it. Yeah, I mean... Without collateral. If wishes were horses, then beggars could ride. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be all over this. I mean, How bad is this going to end, Joe? It's going to be... A, I mean, I could see, like, if, you know, if our acquaintances at the sec are watching this show right now they're all like checking this one off what the fuck's (laughs) going on over there now you know i mean but this is what i like about DeFi and crypto is the under collateralized lending i mean i know you go to the bank i mean you kind of give them like you know depending on what you're borrowing for you know two to three times asset coverage you know to borrow and you know this kind of i mean this levers up the system pretty dramatically but you know I, i guess you know, think about something else that we've talked about, you know, um, crypto kind of credit scoring. I think uh-huh. I broke up there. Um, no, you're good. And how this, this might tie into this too. Um, because like you said, if you had $2,500 in your wallet for the year or averaged it, you know, you could go borrow. What did you say it was? Four times? Yeah, you can up, go borrow up, 10 grand. Yeah, 4X. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if you have to even give your name. No, I don't. I don't know what the process is like. I'm reluctant to connect my wallet. It asked me to connect. And I, I said, no, I yeah. declined it. I, I'm, this sounds just too fucking sketch for me. I'm sorry. Somebody else wants to try and let me know, but that is not financial advice. And I have no clue whether this is safe or not. So, uh, Well, you know, there was just on that note, dude, the East Denver. Somebody put up a clone of the East Denver site and has been ripping off people on tickets. Oh, and stuff. shit. Really? I saw that yesterday somewhere. Oh, so, that's fucked up. You, know, you just have to be careful. Yeah. You know what you do. A smart move, not connecting on this. Now I should should I check and see if my tickets are real? <laughs> no, you're in there because I was dealing with them, and they they said okay. you were all registered. By the way, I never heard anything about that. We could talk about it after the media. Yeah, no, we didn't get the podcast rooms, but we get like on the fly access, and um and they're supposed to be sending you this stuff for the other party and the media thing, but they also said you were already registered. So okay, good. Beautiful. I'll things. double check or loop okay. you in. So. Uh, Sean said GB, GBTC yeah. unlock would be a disaster in the short term as people express the discount and hyper bullish in the longer term. 
So maybe that's that drop to 13.8 that Sean, I mean, not financial advice that Sean gives, but you know, that 13.8 target, I think is around a lot there. Yeah. But you know, my question, my question on that real quick is, okay. So the discount right now is what 42% or something or high thirties. I can't remember. So, you know, when it then goes spot ETF, that discount goes away. Um, and I guess then everybody's going to start dumping at that point, you know, to, yeah. Or hold at that thing because they haven't, I think, gotten out yet. So they probably are going to like realize that gain and sell some of it. Um, so maybe that's that's a good that's a good point, Sean. Niblet says Apollo X is Sean's secret ETH shorting strategy. <laughs> Sean said, <laughs> Sean said things like Apollo X are the reason the beat bear market ain't over. <laughs> I don't think it's the cause of the bear market, but it certainly cracks me up. Uh, yeah, that's funny as shit. Let me see if I have that anything is. else. Uh, 32 million in digital asset outflows, according to CoinShares. Institutional investors are fleeing the heat, at, fleeing the heat as the SEC targets all aspects of the crypto industry in the United States. So, so look, I read that article and I'm like, what? Only 32 million? Isn't that like lunchtime? I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say that's. A, that's a if small it was number. like 32 billion, then I'd be like, holy shit! But 32 million, I'm like fleeing the markets. I mean, come on. That's an exaggeration. That's see 32 million in outflows, but rising prices push AUM to highest since August 2022. So does okay. that statement mean anything then? You know, it's just like, you know, it doesn't sound like it means a fucking thing. Things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what they're saying is they you can see 32 million leaving wallets, whatever. That's how they track it. So they can see that. But it's kind of stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's not newsworthy. 78% for, were from Bitcoin. Hey, Sean, I didn't post it up, but there was an article out this week that you know made it sound like uh, Bitcoin Core, I guess we could talk about this on Friday, so I'm going to tee it up with you now live. Um, Bitcoin Core team down to five with the primary um, person responsible, uh, well, there's a word I'm looking for, but I can't think. Committer, uh, responsible, uh, retiring from the team. But I always thought that five was like around the number of people that were on the core team and that there are all kinds of other people writing code and submitting proposals. But the five core people that commit, I, I always thought that number was around five anyway. So curious uh, your thoughts on that. Um, and, uh, we could talk about that Friday if you like, but, um, I, they made it sound like it was this horrible thing happening in the article. And my take on it was, I don't think that's unusual, but give me your thoughts. And, and Sean's um, like, well, three of them sit at McDade's every day drinking Guinness with me. <laughs> <laughs> right now there was another article, uh, that said, uh, there was discovered that, uh, in 2018, a um, exploitable bug was discovered. Uh, maintainers yeah. is the word was discovered, and a bug fix pushed out, uh, not through the normal processes on Bitcoin in 2018, uh, by the maintainers out to the network and the miners. Now I know that miners have to make it happen, but that was interesting too. So I want to talk about that and and get your thoughts on that, it, Sean. Is that the one where people were talking about how? It was a, they just sort of fixed the code and didn't tell anybody for some amount of time. And it's like, how can they just go change the friggin' code yeah. without yeah. getting, 
validated. But I, I, guess. I think that I think it was a bunch of ETH maximalists fucking raising shit over over it. I, so I, I don't know. Yeah. But we could talk about it on Friday because I'd love to hear Sean's thoughts on it. He said the court yeah. dev. He said the court dev centralization. It's actually ma- maintainer maintainers argument is a meme. I posted an article in this TG group a month ago. Yeah, and I definitely I wasn't thinking about it from the more f- from centralization perspective at all. Um, I was thinking about it from the number of people that are responsible for putting putting it in. And so that that uh, but I always thought that number was a small number of people. I I don't rem- in my head it was like 6 or 7 people. So 5 is not a crisis was what what I was really thinking about. But anyway, um but not on the not on the issue of they have complete control over bitcoin because i know that's not how it works um more on the issue of i don't think it was a big deal to have only five anyway um let's see what else oh this was an interesting take on the recession uh stuff um this chart uh shows kind of where we are and where historically we've been as it comes into recessions and so he says we're in this yellow area which is uh, earnings have peaked. Tightening has ended. Uh, industrial production has peaked. Recent real estate sales have peaked. New order new orders contraction has started. C- CP- CPI year over year peak. Uh, YC inversion ends. So he says we're in this uh, yellow box, uh, just on the edge of the qualifiers for recession starting. Um, you know, I don't know who TXMC trades is. Uh, he's a student of markets history and BTC. But anyway, I just huh. thought it was an interesting um, play that they took kind of these historical things that had happened relative to recession starting. And these all things were the next phase just before the actual recession actually began. And this is event sequences and days past in all recessions since 1948. So, yeah, I mean, again, I don't know what's a recession. Yeah, you I don't know, think how are we defining anymore. it? I think it's. I think that these guys, these the BTC guys, are always everybody in the crypto is always trying to think that the recession is going to cause rate cuts and stimulus funding. I don't think it's going to do it this time. I think even as a recession, that because you look at a lot of the inflation, it's sort of persistent now because what's unemployment's at like an all time low. I think in fifty years, U.S. Yeah, we're talking exactly. about talking about U.S. Um, even like UK's coming out looking better than they were two months ago. So, you know, I don't know what this really means. If people have jobs and people have money, I don't, is that, is that really a recession to, because recession right. usually impacts not how, how the you, super rich, it's the right. wage earners. Yeah. And if everybody has jobs, I mean, I guess everything's more expensive, but that doesn't, that's not really recession. That's just inflation. Well, so what economic I, what contraction. I, yeah. yeah. What I'm know. curious is, is where the, where the actual, income or salary numbers factor into that right like if 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 i have a job available but it pays half of what i've paid been paid for most of my life you know how do we factor that into the recession numbers and i, I have no idea i'm, I'm zero yeah qualifications well, here, for that here's something where i was talking about to an economist last week is it and i forgot about this you know in california you know if you're a waiter or a bartender you know the minimum wages for that now no fifteen dollars what the uh, fuck? It, plus tips? Yeah, plus tips. So, you know, I was out really? to dinner on... Of course, NBC. it cost you $25,000 a month to rent a studio. So, you know, maybe it's not so great. <laughs> well, no, this was like I was in a restaurant in D.C. on Saturday night. And um, I used to go there 20 years ago. And I remember they have this, you know, one dish that I really like. And I'm like looking at it and it's like 36 bucks. 
And I'm like, damn, I remember when that was like $14, you know, again, <laughs> crazy uh, last millennium stories. But, you know, but then they told me, oh, no, everybody gets paid 15 bucks an hour here plus tips. So I'm like, because who eats the 15 bucks then? It's the restaurant owner. Oh, exactly. So what do they do? They mark the prices up. Absolutely. So that's what I'm thinking is driving all of this, like, out of the house food inflation is adjusting to that. And I'm not saying it's, you know, the people shouldn't make 15 bucks an hour, but you know, it kind of helps explain why the restaurant prices have gone up well, so much. They don't make $15 an hour here and fucking naked tacos charging $8 for a fucking street taco. So, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Mine was like a high end. Well, not high end, but a nice French restaurant. It was a oh, that leg, makes so. sense then. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But, exactly. You know, Sean said he'll repost the article. Uh, cool. He also said fed calling for more rate hikes. Not sure. Tightening is over yet. Uh, Chuck says it's still price gouging. What are we talking in about? In restaurants? I don't know. Or maybe inflation. I think this comment came in before the restaurants. Yeah, I still it. think that there's a lot of agri food companies and stuff, you know, whether it's the stores or it's the, you know, car deals of the world or, you know, the agribusiness conglomerates. They, you know, they got gutted on sales during the pandemic and they're playing catch up. I mean, look yeah. at the oil companies. Makes sense. I mean, didn't Chevron just do like a $44 billion share buyback instead of like distributing it to shareholders. I mean, that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that's not good because then it, oh. you know, you really want that money going out to the people that, um, yeah, inflation in general yeah. is what Chuck says. Yeah, exactly. Um, so those kind of things have to change. And until it does, you know, which I think all you got to do is, you know, I mean, don't spend money. I know mean, it's hard to say, but you know, don't you know, don't go out and drop tons of money on dinners like you, maybe you did in the past. That's the only way we're going to stop it is to kill demand off. <laughs> Dude, Guinness is now a approaching pint? ten bucks a pint. My inflation meter is at all time high. Sounds like you just need to buy sure. a case and take it home, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you need to get it. He needs to get a Guinness node where he can get, start brewing it himself. Did, do they have Guinness at Costco? Does does Costco is Costco out there in uh, Europe? I would assume so, right? I don't know. There are some wholesaler type operations like that. Yeah, I'm, big, I'm pretty sure Costco stores. must be there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe, um, that's all I have for today. You got anything else yeah. you want to chat about? No, I'm, my voice is pretty much trash. So I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Let's I'm, give you a rest. Chill. Let's give you a rest. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Sean Niblets, Chuck Amen. Oh, Mr. Muccioli, I know you're up here somewhere. Shizzy, thank you. Everybody, thank you so much. If I missed you, I apologize. Thanks so much for listening and participating and commenting. We appreciate you being here and listening and watching. Uh, thank you to all the new members of the community that have joined in the last few days. We love having you guys in there. Please jump into these conversations. Um, none of us are complete experts on anything we're talking about there. We need other people's opinions, thoughts, ideas, whatever. Um, don't forget to check out all the channels, post your projects that you love all that good stuff t.me forward slash mission defi t.me forward slash mission defi is how you join our telegram group we'd love to have you join us if you're listening on apple podcast or spotify please take two minutes to go review us subscribe and make sure you're uh, getting alerted when new episodes come out we're at the top of your list and joe if you're watching on youtube would love for you to smash the thumbs up just smash it just like well that's not really smash it's kind of a wussy tap there yeah well i don't want to break it right <laughs> How about that? <laughs>
<laughs> and make sure you click subscribe and click the little bell so you get notified about new episodes when they come out. We love and appreciate. Uh, Mr. Muccioli says no Costco in Europe. You oh, guys yeah. are missing out. Best run retail operation in the entire world is Costco. They got the Chinese equivalent. They got is, the Chinese equivalent there. It is fucking gold. Just the best run place to shop in the world. Um, and employees love it. Love working there too. So anyway, thanks so much, folks. We love and appreciate you, Joe. We're over and out. All right, buddy. Great show. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, yeah. everyone. You See too, you tomorrow. Man. Take care, everyone.